Hey guys, it's She Sheds Real Light with Crystal Fry and Susan Price, and today's episode is Perfected Not Perfect. So we got some exciting news. We have got a guest on our episode today by the name of Janine Eklund. Um, She is the author of a book called Overthrow, and um, we're going to let her introduce herself to you a little bit. Well, I'll introduce myself uh, like I'm most comfortable doing, which is um, in Celebrate Recovery. I say, my name is Janine. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with eating disorders and being a know-it-all. <laughs> so that can give you a little insight into what I'm all about right there. But I'm you know, happy to be here. I have four daughters who are all named after flowers. My husband appreciates your prayers because <laughs> they're 20, 18, 16, and 12. So oh, wow. um, uh, I didn't grow up in the South, so I'm enjoying the climate. I'm enjoying learning that I'm way more aggressive than people in the South are. (laughs) I grew up like 30 minutes south of Philadelphia and I'm learning the art of restraint, (laughs) verbal restraint. (laughs) People in the South will say, bless your heart. Yes. (laughs) And I just want to, I don't understand why we can't just, you know, have an honest conversation. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Um, So Janine and what she kind of represents as a whole, first of all, it's beautiful to see just her perspective on life in general through her testimony of what she's been through. And I think that um, I love the part about how you talk about internal perspective. Tell me a little bit about what you think about what internal perspective means to you. Well, for me, I just, like I said, I I didn't say this, but I've been a a Christian, I would say. I'd say I was a church girl. I was Mm -hmm. born and raised in the church. So the whole idea of, you know, this kingdom that we believe that Jesus came to establish isn't something that's new to me. But it wasn't until I was in my 30s and further along in my recovery that I realized that the lens through which I see Mm -hmm. this whole world is really all that matters. Mm -hmm. I can make decisions. I can make choices. I can, you know, have certain habits and behaviors that are considered positive. But unless I'm choosing to see this world through an entirely different perspective, Mm -hmm. then I'm building something on a foundation that's not necessarily going to last. Mm-hmm. And that when things change, you know, we're going to be talking about our our value and how we see ourselves, you know, physically, our physical bodies as things change, which they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we all can see with our own eyes, <laughs> it's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm building a foundation on something that's, going to change rather than a foundation on something that will never change Mm -hmm. the truth that can never be taken away so when i talk about eternal perspective it's really the foundation it's the first and foremost thing that i feel like it's what helped me recover Mm -hmm. like i had all these these great tools that i learned um in my struggle with eating disorders and with you know recovering from abuse and trauma and all those things that we don't really talk about in the church very much, yeah. but just um, learning that 
eternal perspective is the lens through which I even see recovery. It's Mm -hmm. the lens by which I see being a mother. It's the lens by which I see being a wife, being a a person. I I coach volleyball. It's how, Mm -hmm. you know, the lens by which I see my girls that I coach. It changes everything. It really does. I love that you talked about foundation because that's one of the scriptures that I wanted to share. And that's in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded the house, and it collapsed. And its collapse was great. Um, I love that scripture for the fact of, well, I mean, I like every scripture, but I, I really like that scripture for the fact of that's honestly not just how we should look at our lives as a whole is building our lives on the foundation of the rock of God, but also building our homes on that foundation, Mm -hmm. um, building everything that we go by on that firm foundation of God, because if not, it does crumble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Why I I love that scripture is that those, the, the, the phrase that comes before the description of the foundation is that you, you hear these words of mine and put them into practice. Mm -hmm. There's an action component that comes because you can hear the right things, you can think you're doing the right things, but until you put these words of God into practice. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the tricky part, though, because, you know, that's why I, I, I wrote the book is that I'd heard a lot of scripture mm-hmm. and it was given to me in the spirit that was not helpful. Mm-hmm. And it caused me to wonder if the problem was with my understanding of what, you know, that I was just a bad believer, that I didn't have the faith to you know, here's the scripture. But what I learned is that the eternal perspective thing, it's how we see the scripture. It's, it's how, how we study the scripture. So what I love about that particular scripture is the phrase that comes before the actual building of the house. It says, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. There's an action component to the scripture being able to be the foundation upon which we we build our lives. And this is one of the things that I learned the most in recovery is that, you know, we as believers, we as Christians are really good at the inspirational and like the aspirational aspects of faith. Like here's a scripture, build your life on it, build your house, you know, your household on it, your family, all that stuff. But then we go, but how do I do that? What does that look like? And that's why recovery, which is really discipleship, Mm -hmm. it gives you a process whereby you can read not only read scripture and allow scripture to transform you but it also says this transformation looks like this in your life lived out that's good i you know we as christians like you said people are just throwing out scripture left and right anytime someone's going through something Mm -hmm. and while a lot of people their intentions are good really understanding the the core root of that scripture and what you had mentioned about even people in the church Mm -hmm. who had use scripture kind of against you in a Mm -hmm. way so to speak um i think if we're not careful we can do the same thing at times if we're not on that foundation where we're supposed to be and living Mm -hmm. that life and really being in the scripture in the word studying it and understanding what the true meaning of it is um so you know i think a lot of people also have experienced church hurt 
Mm-hmm. And um, so I was glad that that was something that you had also included in there. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be something that maybe you would, a piece of advice you would give someone who has gone through that and they're still struggling with it? Has gone through being hurt by a church? Yeah. Um, yeah, this was a huge um, component of what I needed to recover from, not only from the eating disorders, um, was because I was actually a pastor's wife while all this was going on. While I was very publicly struggling, my appearance reflected it. I was, you know, my mood, everything about what, what I was going through was reflected physically. I had kids. I went into inpatient treatment, so I, I went away for 45 days and left my kids. My oldest daughter was 10 at the time. My youngest was 2. So they were very small, and so there was a big spotlight shined on what I was going through. Mm-hmm. So I understand church hurt, and I actually write about it quite extensively in the book mm-hmm. because I feel like it's something that that's the perspective thing. Until you can see Jesus mm-hmm. for who he is, all you're going to do is see people who are just people, right? right? That's Believers good. are just people. Some are a better reflection of the light of the world than others. Mm-hmm. And until we can see Jesus, the church is his bride. He went to great lengths to redeem it. It's important. He mm-hmm. loves it. And so when I started to understand that, but but it took me a long time to get there. It took me going to celebrate recovery and really kind of almost detaching myself from regular church. I'm doing little quotation marks with my fingers <laughs> right now. <laughs> to recovery church which we call it church for honest people because (laughs) it's where you get real about stuff. It took me kind of getting my toe back in the water again slowly because it had hurt Mm -hmm. so much. And it takes time to heal some of those wounds. So I would say to someone who's been hurt by the churches, dig into the Word of God, bind yourself to Christ, Mm -hmm. look to Christ, but also allow yourself, don't allow yourself to let the enemy rob you of the gift mm-hmm. and the freedom that is found in being vulnerable, mm-hmm. which is what happens when we get hurt by church people. We withdraw, we isolate, yeah. and therefore we uh, we are living this half-life that mm-hmm. we weren't created to live. So, and I found that Celebrate Recovery was the best way for me to kind of come back home after it had been a, a while, so... Um, you had also said remembering enables you to survey the damage that has been done to you to your wall. Mm-hmm. And I think that that flows with that as well because I think a lot of times we try to block out those memories of those difficult situations, those things that hurt us, whether that be church hurt or something far, far deeper. Um, but, you know, I've gone through Celebrate Recovery, the, the 12-step program too, mm-hmm. and being able to speak those things out um, and remembering those things and the damage that it done to you that has done to you, it definitely makes a difference. And I think when, once you, like you said, focus on that relationship with God and it's a changed personal mm-hmm. deep connection, you're able to then get past those hurts and forgive those people and move forward um, in your walk with Him. Not saying that you don't think about it, because I think we still would probably walk around sometimes wondering, well, what if they do this or what if they say this you mm-hmm. know like in a church place or, well, I think or she even talks about that too you talk she about does. that in the book going yeah. back to those thoughts and what do you do when you go back to those thoughts yeah right it's because forgiveness is not an emotion it's a decision mm-hmm. yeah so that is something I had to learn is that just because I don't feel like I have those lovey wonderful feelings all the time towards people I've decided to forgive mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I haven't forgiven them that doesn't mean that you know I 
I, I didn't make that decision to stand upon what Jesus did because his word is very clear that unless we forgive others, that mm-hmm. we, he hasn't forgiven us. And that sounds pretty harsh. Mm-hmm. But all that stuff, like you were alluding to, when I, that I use the analogy of a wall when mm-hmm. I'm talking about examining past hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, I write about it. I use Nehemiah. So if you want to read about Nehemiah, he comes back to, a, to um, Jerusalem and it has experienced some damage from some enemies. Like the, the outside wall has literally been attacked. It's crumbling. It's falling down. It's yeah. compromised in places. So this is the story. It's basically... Nehemiah is going back to rebuild this wall, right? Mm-hmm. So I use the analogy that the wall is like our lives. Like a lot of us are wrecks. Mm-hmm. We're compromised in places because of experiences, because of abuse, because of things people have said and done. And maybe it was us that was doing the saying, the doing. Yeah. Maybe we are the ones that have, you know, something that we need to be forgiven of. And so we're looking at this damaged wall with bricks crumbling and you know places where horses a pack of elephants can ride (laughs) it's obvious we need to rebuild but what we tend to do is just it's too painful to look at Mm -hmm. so we just start piling the bricks back on piling them on on top of the damaged on top of the broken off pieces and what happens is we start to rebuild something and for a while it seems to hold its integrity but then after a while because you didn't look at what, what you were doing, yeah. it starts to fall apart again. So for me, looking at the damage, which is what, just taking an honest inventory of the things that have been done to me, the things that I have done and the hurts that I'm holding in my heart, looking at those things allows me to do what Nehemiah did, which is to survey the damage so I can correct the damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that I'm not building up something that's going to just fall down again because that's what we do when we just try to self-help ourselves or pretend things didn't happen or stuff it down inside Mm -hmm. we're just building up something that's going to fall down again and then we suffer and those around us suffer as well I like damage control that's what I was thinking of when you were saying that you know we all need to um to almost like inventory that kind of stuff on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. not just once, but all the time. And I think you use specific questions that you do to inventory yours all the time. And I think that we, as a, as a Christ believer, as a a woman of God could find maybe not those specific questions, but our own questions, like, let me inventory myself every morning to make sure that I'm, um, taken care of and, um, and getting out of anything that's not of him or um, could be destructive to my own walk, you know? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people are big into journaling, and I've never mm-hmm. been able to do that for any <laughs> length of time. But I am big into the whole, like, self-awareness and reflection things. So that's what I like. And Celebrate Recovery, we call it. It's a daily inventory. And yeah. then I, in the book... I, I, I'm writing about, you know, recovery from food issues and how to fight when you feel like crap about your body and you, 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 you feel like you're a slave to sugar or whatever it is that you feel like you can't overcome, that you've been dealt this hand where your metabolism doesn't work right or you hate the way you look and you're avoiding getting pictures taken and it's just beating you down. Mm-hmm. I wrote this book with not only inspirational qualities, yeah. aspirational but I also wanted to be practical and actionable. And that's where the, the questions come in. I wanted to give something that I do 
and maybe I don't sit down every day and go, you know, you know, what am I dealing with feelings that are too much to bear? But it's just this practice I've gotten into where I say, I'm feeling this and I feel like it's tearing me apart. What do I do with that? Yeah. And if I don't have an answer to that, to where I have a sponsor, I have a friend, I have an, you know, somebody I trust, or I have whatever it is, the process, then you're setting yourself up to have more problems yeah. in the future because vulnerability is absolutely what we were created for. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely what we were created for. And that's the thing that gets compromised the quickest mm-hmm. when we get hurt is we withdraw and we isolate and say, well, they're never going to hurt me again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when So in her book, she talks, a, she talks about her testimony, which is about an eating disorder and what caused her to actually be there, which was secrets of other things. But um, while reading it for myself, I, I realized that maybe, no, I haven't fought that same battle. But one of my biggest battles is like mind stuff. And I, I mean, just the other day I was riding in a car and I was sitting there like talking back and forth to myself, thinking that I'm a crazy person, really, <laughs> honestly. And I'm like, okay, you don't need to be Moses and be doubtful and keep walking. And then it, and then I'd go and I'd go, well, would you be Job? And would, if he took everything away, would you still be okay? Would you still serve him? And I'm going, and you don't want, you know, and I'm going back and forth. And so I, what is relatable so much in your book is that, for instance, one of the places that you talk about taking the trash out, and it was, you were literally talking about taking trash out. Mm-hmm. But um, in my mind, I was sitting there thinking, what trash do I need to take out that's consuming me, that's no good for me, that I'm just kind of engulfed in that might not be literal or whatever, but mm-hmm. it, it's in, and it's still in me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you if you don't mind, I'll just backtrack on that story so we have a little perspective yeah. on that. Is um, this is all in the book? But it's um, you know when I I was uh, fourteen years old, I was raped, and I didn't know what to do with it. I certainly was never going to tell anybody what happened to me, and what I landed on as a way to cope when I was seventeen was to control what I ate mm-hmm. because. Eating disorders and issues with food are not about food. They're about feelings that we don't know what to do with. Right. So I just discovered this, and I talk about it in detail in the book, that when I could control what I ate, somehow that that sense of being out of control and, and having people know who I really was 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 hidden away safely. Mm-hmm. Because not only was I feeling good because I was controlling what I ate, but I was losing weight, and that's something that, that receives positive affirmation in our culture. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm mm-hmm. saying that in the beginning I felt like I wasn't good at anything. I didn't feel like I was good at anything, but I was good at losing weight. Mm-hmm. And so then it became an enslaving behavior. Mm-hmm. What started out as something that I was using to cope soon became something I was a slave to. Mm-hmm was an addiction. It was an all-consuming thing that, that was, was going to kill me. Mm-hmm. So as I'm kind of in the beginning stages of this eating disorder behavior when I'm in college, I struggled with this thing for 20 years. So this was the, the baby stages of it. <laughs> I simultaneously, and my husband, he, he's a therapist, right? <laughs> so that's fun, being married to a therapist. <laughs> Whenever you know we talk about stuff that I used to do, he gets this look on his face like, 
That's an interesting psychological oh, diagnosis. I, I, mean, like, I just am in an endless supply of abnormal psychology for him to just understand. I so. can only imagine what that made you feel like having to sit there. Yeah, it's definitely was something we had to uh, work through. <laughs> but something that I became just ashamed of was the fact that I had physical trash. And I'm talking yeah. about like trash in a trash can. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody to know that I had this trash. And then I certainly didn't want anyone to see me taking this trash out to the dumpster. Yeah. And I had a whole system with different types of trash where I would put it. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in college, in a chain of events, I ended up in a room by myself with a suite with an adjoining room that was empty. Mm-hmm. And so this was the perfect solution. I could just put my garbage bags in this empty room and nobody would ever have to see me walking around with trash. But as you can see, and anyone can plainly see, this isn't a sustainable way to handle garbage. Mm-hmm. And so it started to pile up, it piled up. And so one night I'm laying in my bed, it was dark, I had the lights out, and the residence hall director comes bursting into my room and demands to know why in the world is that room next door filled with trash? And I remember thinking, I want to I wanna contradict her. I want to argue with her. I want to tell her, that's not my trash. I don't know where that trash came from. <laughs> but I knew that it was my yeah. trash. And I had put it there. And I was ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember I just mm-hmm. started to cry. And she looked at me. And I thank God for her because I could. she was revolted by me and pitied me but she had enough compassion in her she shut the door and went in and cleaned out the room and never said another word about it but that room trash to me it represented everything that was going on with me internally yeah i had all this stuff going on from being raped from trying to figure things out from the eating disorder from the the behaviors associated with the eating disorder from Mm -hmm. how i felt about myself my life was out of control and I couldn't tell anybody, so I stuffed it down, stuffed it down, bags of trash where nobody could see. Yeah. But it's there, yeah. right? It's there. Right. And so that's why it's so important to have a process where it's okay to just start to have the conversations about this stuff. And that's mm-hmm. why I wrote the book. That's why I involved over 10 years of my life in Celebrate Recovery it's because I believe in this process because this process works and I want to see people to be f- freed up. I don't want people to have to live with bags of trash yeah. in their adjoining rooms yeah. because trash is smelly and it has no purpose. It needs to be taken out mm-hmm. and disposed of. That's what I was thinking of when you were talking about that is all I can think about is like eventually that trash has to start stinking. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, the trash in us, yeah. it, it may not have a physical smell, but mm-hmm. it stinks it because does. it comes outwardly what's mm-hmm. inside and what we bury. It eventually comes out, mm-hmm. whether it be in the right way or the wrong way. And normally if it's trash and we're burying it, it's in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I haven't ever, well, I say I haven't struggled with an eating disorder necessarily or, or for people who maybe don't have anorexia or bulimia. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still, I feel like, eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I struggled with, like, a weight thing, and I'd diet pills or getting prescriptions from the doctor's office that mm-hmm. would help, so to speak, lose weight mm-hmm. make or suppress your appetite. Um, so, I mean, I think there's many things that, 
people in general do to try to lose that weight. Maybe it's not those other two things, mm-hmm. but they're constantly trying to do something. And, you know, for me, I think it come at a point of having to understand, well, what what's the deep issue? And I think we hit on this a couple of weeks ago, like the underlying issue of what's causing this reaction and this behavior. Yeah, I was going to say when I read the book, same thing. I haven't struggled, and there has been times where I would just stop eating because I was depressed or you know, had anxiety, but one of the biggest things that I thought about in this book, because I've dealt with, I mean, my whole childhood was domestic violence Mm -hmm. and um, lots of other things, and um, I was like, what did I use as my coping mechanism when I didn't have that strong relationship with God, or I wasn't where I needed to be, and I I honestly, because I same as you. I mean, I I knew about church or I went to church, but I I didn't ever have a relationship until probably recently, a few years ago. And so I was like, man, I I coped with drugs at one point in my Mm -hmm. life. I, you know, I coped with relationships at one point in my life. And, and I was like, man, it's not just, it's really, what are we coping with, with those things that we haven't dealt with? And that was really what hit home for me in some of the words that you spoke is just because I was like, there was things, you know, I never recognized those things. And then I'm like, that's what it was. You know, it was like a coping mechanism mm-hmm. of just trying to put a Band-Aid on mm-hmm. something that, and I wasn't fixing it, you know? Yeah, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeremiah, that's one of the guiding principles to, to all this. I mean, because how many of us, I mean, sure, maybe you didn't struggle with anorexia or bulimia. Right. But how many of us, like right now, Christmas and New Year's just happened. How many of us are on some kind of cleanse? Absolutely. How many of us are on some kind of, you know, fix? we got to fix the problem, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just a cycle because we're going to be here. We're going to be here again, right? Yeah. So something is broken and something needs fixed. Absolutely. And what has come out for me for this whole process of my own personal recovery and, you know, dealing with food issues is that this culture is messed up. This culture yeah. needs truth spoken loudly. Our daughters, our sons mm. need truth spoken around value Amen. and around appearance and yeah. around diet culture, which diet culture, I mean, simply this whole thing that's going around that like, unless you're a certain size or have right. a certain skin tone or hair or whatever, no cellulite, no this, no that. Mm that that's there's this ideal that mm-hmm. nobody can achieve and we spend our lives feeling like we don't measure up yeah. where did that come from that came from culture and culture is the you know product of prevailing beliefs it's what we believe right about our value right if i could right. do uh, i'm not going to say the names of any diets <laughs> 30 day thing where i don't eat anything but certain you know healthy whatever and then i'll be then i'll be better then i'll feel better yeah you know Well, you also mentioned um, in your book, God does not place any importance on what the world values. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, listening to this and in reading your book, that obviously a lot of us struggle, if if we do struggle with the way we look, our appearance, Mm -hmm. it normally comes from a place of worldly value because we're worried about what people are going to think about us. It's Mm -hmm. not for us to accept ourselves, but for other people to accept us. Mm -hmm. And so we do all these different things for our bodies to try to make them fit to the world's view of right. what we should look like. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, that's why I'm passionate about. That's why the whole perfected, not yeah. perfect thing is something that that is probably the question in the six questions that resonates with me the most to this day. Mm-hmm. It's the one when I'm getting dressed and my clothes are feeling tighter. Yeah. That's the one I declare 
and stand upon the truth of that because mm-hmm. that one is all about, you know, what the eternal perspective that seeing in scripture, what, what Jesus has to say about our physical bodies. And he yeah. has a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that your body is a temple. Right. And we can talk about that. Right. How that, 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 one, that, one gets that was a, a trigger. Yeah, that, that was a trigger. That one is weaponized and was used against me. I can't even count how many times. And yeah. if you struggle with drugs or anything like mm-hmm. that, you've heard that scripture, trot it out time right. after time. It's the one that we use. It's every Christian diet, every Christian weight loss plan. It's framed around the scripture. Your body is a temple. Mm-hmm. What yeah. the heck does that even mean? Right? <laughs> <laughs> what it means is something so radical and so revolutionary. Right. It's what Jesus Christ died to secure for us. And yeah. that has nothing to do with food choices or right. what we do to our bodies. And I'm not minimizing those things, please. Mm-hmm. But it's a tragedy that that scripture, which is telling a collective you, the church, you are the temple. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to a temple and offer sacrifices to a God who isn't. Jesus tore the veil. He lives inside of us. His Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Right. That's worth shouting about. Mm-hmm. That's worth so much more than fitting in a certain size of pants or having yeah. a certain mm-hmm. diet. Like I said, eternal perspective puts all these things in their places. Right. right. It's not saying they have no value. Yeah. You know, you know, physical exercise has little value. It has right. a little bit of value in this ocean of truth it's a right. drop in the ocean of truth and it's just this fight to to get the get things in the right perspective I think that that's the importance of knowing scripture because I feel like every time that I mean we can go to church we can get preached to we mm-hmm. can listen to sermons but unless you know scripture in the depth like you're speaking about it right now we don't really know what it means and what he has claimed over us. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of people fail at really digging in to what the scripture actually speaks truth Mm -hmm. to you um, versus kind of just getting it from, say, society or secular or whatever. I mean, like you're getting it from outside versus like knowing that knowledge for yourself Mm -hmm. um, and reading it. There's an importance in that. Yeah, and I love to read different perspectives. I, I like to read different, um, you know, scholarship on Scripture. But I'll just say right here that for me, knowing the Scripture and understanding and delving into it and the original Greek and Hebrew and all that kind of stuff is exciting to me. And I, it has shed so much light yeah. on it. And that's the beauty of it, yeah. that it can be as deep and mysterious and take you as far. You'll, you'll never know. You'll never know. Right. But it also is the most simple thing that you'll ever know, that you'll ever hold in your heart mm-hmm. it's good news yeah if at the end of the day this message isn't good news then then what are we doing then it, then it's not what jesus died for you know if your body as a temple makes you feel condemned mm-hmm. because you're not you're, you're you're carrying some extra weight that god can't use you that's not good news right it's good news for all people i don't care who you are and that's the heart of the message of this whole liberation from diet culture. That's why I'm passionate about it. That's why it matters because mm-hmm. freedom matters. Mm-hmm. The good news matters. And when we take things and we make them complicated mm-hmm. again, that's what the Pharisees did. They made a whole system of rules. And that's what we do with food in the church. Mm-hmm. I've sat and I don't know how many, you know, uh, we call them open share groups, but small groups. And I've had women tell me, that they feel like God is calling them, but they, they know they're overweight. And they also, so they know that when people look at them, they're going to say, her temple's a mess. She, she, who is she to be telling me anything about God? 
Mm. How sad is that? Or I don't look like Beth Moore. I don't look like these people who have, you know, you know, our ideal. Mm. We feel are the ideal. Um, I love Beth Moore, by the way. <laughs> she's, she's, you know, she looks, she looks a certain way. Yeah. And so we, we have these ideas in our head, and we don't realize that we internalize them, and that they stand in the way of what God wants to do with us right now, right now. He that, doesn't. He tells the fishermen. Leave it behind and come. Yeah. Come just as you are and follow me. Come just as you are and follow me. That's good because I don't know how many times I think I've even told you, like, before I started speaking and I knew yeah. I felt God calling me to speak, that I was like, well, what are these people going to think about me? You know, I mean, I have such a dirty past or I almost allowed that to consume it so much that I said, I'm not going to step in this calling. Mm-hmm. And... I, I mean, there is so much power in what you just spoke because there's so much truth behind it mm-hmm. if we allow ourselves to start believing those lies um, from the enemy, which yeah. you wanted to ask her about that the word. Oh, yes. Um, that out. <laughs> um, throughout your book, you used a word very often. You referenced it, and I may say it wrong, usurper. 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 <laughs> um, what exactly, I, I looked up the definition, but what exactly does that, that word mean to you? Um, usurper to me is, it's, it's a false king. It's a pretender. Um, we, it's, it's actually, it's, this is an interesting little backstory. When I first wrote the book, I mean, usurper, as you, if you've read it, it's kind of like, the whole book. Yeah, yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. And so I had somebody who was, it wasn't my editor, but it was somebody who had read it, was like, that's kind of a big word. I don't know if people <laughs> know what it means. Blah, blah, blah. I was like. I didn't, but I did definition <laughs> it. <laughs> so I'm guilty too. I'll I, I went to great lengths to unpack this word and to define it. But a usurper, when, when you usurp something, we hear this sometimes when elections happen and like, you know, People say, you know, certain political powers are trying to usurp the will of the people. That means they're trying to take something that's not rightfully theirs Mm -hmm. to put themselves in a position of power. Mm -hmm. So usurping means you're taking something that's not yours in order to elevate yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that's a word that I use that interchangeably with the word false king. Yeah. Because that's the heart of the book is that we are trying to find love and grace and peace and purpose apart from the love, grace, peace, and purpose of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's where we give these false kings room to come in and take the place of the one true king. Because yeah. there is a king. Mm-hmm. There is a king. A real king. Well, and you said too, I think we give too much authority to that that king to that usurper Mm -hmm. to the enemy Mm -hmm. um when in all reality he has no authority at all right absolutely and this will go back to the whole trash story because that's (laughs) that's the the chain that's how i set it up to kind of like that's a visual picture of of the false king and the flesh yeah so I'm going to go into the weeds a little bit here because this is the heart of the book the false king because i have been a christian like i said most of my life and I've heard I don't know how many sermons on the devil, mm-hmm. on Beelzebub, on whatever you want to call him. Mm-hmm. There's this, you know, you know, 
the devil made me do it. If the lights flicker at church, the devil, the devil's doing it. He's, like, he's at work. You know, he's, he's pulling the all these. The church might burn down if I walk in it. Yeah, yes. He's pulling all these strings and I'm living in mortal fear of this enemy. But there is an enemy that the scripture talks about as much, maybe more, and it's the flesh. Mm. And that is the, the whole heart of, you know, when Paul says, why am I doing what I don't want to do? That's mm. the flesh. That's the part of us that is vulnerable, that is wounded, that is prideful, that is self-seeking, that is trying to find love and grace and purpose apart from Jesus Christ. Yeah. The flesh is what that part of me that I'm going to call the flesh, the part that's trying to find peace and purpose, is what made me at 17 years old think that stopping eating, controlling what I was eating, was a good idea Mm -hmm. because it gave me a comfort. That's the part of me that I would wrestle with for the next 20 years when I would do destructive things to my body and say, I want to stop. I want to stop. Why can't I stop? I was constantly at war with this part of me. And so if you have to read the book, you (laughs) probably understand this idea, but this is what you're talking about. You don't have to struggle with food Mm -hmm. issues. This is the heart of the Christian walk. This is the heart of being a believer in Jesus Christ is how you can fight against the flesh Mm -hmm. and, and prevent that false king from taking residence on the throne. Go ahead. You had said um, a life lived by the spirit is not enslaved to the flesh. And Mm -hmm. that was one of the things that stood out to me because mm-hmm. how much truth is there behind that that when we're living a life that's led by the spirit the holy spirit by god mm-hmm. we're not we're no longer tied down to the flesh and, yep. the, and the things that we've been holding on to for so long mm-hmm. yes it goes back to just what you said it goes back to the whole thing about is it good news or isn't it mm-hmm. is the idea that if you can walk in the spirit you don't have to have the flesh be a problem you don't have to be wrestling constantly with it if that's good news and it is right Mm -hmm. then that's life-giving then that's truth but if when you think about walking in the spirit you use it as some kind of some kind of metric whereby you can never measure up yeah because I'm struggling I'm not walking the spirit you know I'm a failure Mm -hmm. no it's just this thing that walking in the spirit a walk in the spirit I mean it's like like I was talking about the devil, that I hear so much about the devil, like he's this, this enemy. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the devil has no authority. Yeah. He has been defeated. The word yeah. of God says that he was shamed. He was mm-hmm. made, a, he made a spectacle of him, yeah. shaming him by his death on the cross. The devil has no authority on you as a believer in Jesus Christ. The only power he has is if you listen to his lies and start mm-hmm. believing as if you, mm-hmm. you start acting as if you believe those lies. But there's this thing that, you know, until the day we are transformed from glory to glory that we're going to have to contend with, and that's the flesh. That's the part of us. That's mm-hmm. us. That's the bags of trash that we're trying to shove down, that we're trying to make sense of. That's the flesh. So is it good news or isn't it good news? Good question to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. You can feel your passion when mm-hmm. you're passionate. Like you're so passionate about what you speak about, and you feel it through your words. Like it's... It's powerful. Um, so walking by the Spirit, I have a question for you that a lot of people, I think, say for instance, they are struggling right now in their flesh. Mm-hmm. What would a piece of advice or a piece of knowledge that you've actually just kind of grasped on and, and took a hold to that you could share with them about 
um, starting to kind of get out of those fleshly desires and starting to walk in the spirit, what would be something that you would say to someone like that? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing is, is, is you have to, you have to know it. You have to acknowledge it. Right. You have to be aware of it because it's, it's surprising to me how many people, if you ask them the question, are you perfect? And they say, no, I'm not perfect. And you say, well, how are you not perfect? And then you, you, you struggle, especially as believers, Christians, church culture, mm-hmm. you struggle to put a put a word on that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I yell at my wife too much. Like, but then it starts. That's when things start to really change and come alive. Is when you say, "I struggle with anger." Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you put a name to it. Mm-hmm. So naming it. That's why one of the first questions in the, mm-hmm. is identifying the enemy. Yeah. Because until you can identify it. You can be fighting, and you can be fighting the wrong thing. Because yeah. that's what I was doing for so long. I was fighting myself. Mm-hmm. I was fighting, you know, the little girl that was inside of me yeah. that wanted to just eat because food tasted good mm-hmm. and because it was fun. I was fighting her rather than fighting the eating disorder. Yeah. That thing from the pit of hell that was trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that shame that had taken root and mm-hmm. was directing every decision I made. That's what I wasn't fighting. So when I identified it, then I was able to direct my efforts against that. Mm-hmm. And that's when, oh boy, the resurrection and the power that Jesus Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, <laughs> that's what gives us the life and the strength to make those decisions. That's the fight. excitement too. It is. Yeah. It's so exciting, especially when like you know that that power and that redemption and that restoration, like it's mm-hmm. exciting. It's it exhilarating. Like you're yes. just like, when you talk about it too, you're just like, I want you to feel that. Yes. Like, I feel it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll probably feel like you're here with her right now. I mean, it's that That's intense, but it's great. It and you talked about looking into the mirror of internal truth. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. relates a lot to what you're saying too, is like looking inside within you and mm-hmm. finding out, Pulling out those things that are the enemy, Mm -hmm. but also revealing God's truth. I really, really Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. You you have to, you you, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. You have to look at it and you have to be, there's, there's a lot of words for it. Self-aware, you know, just this whole process of, of, of self-discovery. I mean, and in scripture, it's sanctification, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's finding out the parts of you that aren't like Jesus and trying to let him make them more like him. That's what it is. Less of me, more of him. Yeah, but you have to get honest. And that's why, that's where the disconnect usually happens is like, I know I want to change it, but I don't know how, Mm -hmm. but I don't even know what to call it. That's why when we're in, you know, therapy groups or whatever, we have a paper laying in the middle usually that has a hundred emotions on it because we don't even know what to, how to even describe what we're feeling half the time, you know, let alone to say, you know, when I was a little girl, you know, this and that, and it just, it takes work. Frankly, it takes work, but it's work that is so well worth the effort. Mm -hmm. It really is. I agree. I, um, one, I think I want to hit on is triggers. Mm -hmm. So I've had a close level with me go through counseling and I've went through counseling with them. And one of the main things that they talked about in there were like identifying triggers. Mm -hmm. What do you do? I think you talk about how Thanksgiving was a trigger. Um, and to me, I, when you spoke about that, I go back to myself and I was thinking about what were, what are my triggers? Cause mm-hmm. everybody has triggers, right. you know? Um, and it might not be Thanksgiving, but it could be like a noise or even like mm-hmm. a word. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a word 
my my the abuser when I was growing up used mm-hmm. to use one certain word. If I right. hear that word, mm-hmm. I cringe. And so what do you do with those triggers now in order to make sure that you're not falling back into that, you know? Because those triggers don't go away, I don't no. think. I mean, you know you heal from them and you figure out how to deal with them. So what do you do? Yeah, triggers is an interesting thing because what you're describing is something that's like um, an involuntary reaction to trauma. Right. You know, and that's different. You know, a lot of times triggers are are words that we use as as excuses Mm -hmm. to not have to confront things. Right. You know, for me, a big one was that at, you know, the recovery meeting, they would serve dinner beforehand. Mm -hmm. And I would say, well, I can't be around food. Yeah. Look at all that you know, fried food. There's not even a piece of fruit to be found. I, 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 I'm serious though. Yeah, it, was, no. it was triggering. Like right. it really was. It was, but that's something that I needed to confront. Yeah. Um, but what you're talking about is sure. I have those kinds of triggers and it's just, it's engaging in the process to separate what are those kinds of triggers versus what are triggers that I are just indications. I need to do more work and confront mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. And, um, speaking truth mm-hmm. you know trying to establish boundaries so that yeah. you don't have to be around those involuntary triggers if mm-hmm. you don't need to be mm-hmm. you know sometimes we can do that you know I, I've moved to different states to yeah. get away from certain triggers like I'm serious I've left states boundaries are good boundaries are good but also when you when they come up and they come up you just that's why the truth yeah the perspective you mm-hmm. know that's what I do when when a trigger happens and then I also, when people say certain things to me, I have, like, responses already figured out. Like, when yeah. they say, when I used to run into all these people at Walmart who would feel like they, oh, my word, you know, your weight, blah, 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 you look like this, blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know, give me this whole dissertation on my physical appearance and my life choices and my mothering and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say, thank you for sharing, you know, because mm-hmm. what am I going to do? Yeah. Right. Argue with them, yeah. cry, get defensive, like... They, they don't have anything to do what's happening with me and right. my recovery and my freedom. So thank them for their sharing time in Walmart. <laughs> thank you for sharing. <laughs> you gave them no power over you. Yeah. No oh, power. I love that. That's yes. good. Mm-hmm. Being, that takes discipline, like you said, for sure. Yeah. It takes practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You practice know? makes perfect. We mentioned that too. Yeah, I know we did. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So how do you know that you that that's a good thing to do? That's why being in recovery groups and being around people and not isolating and be letting, letting yourself be vulnerable is so important because then you can have access to other people's experiences yeah. and things that work that are helpful. So practice instead of saying, because we talked about this one time about how, you know, you grow up and, and people tell you, like, your parents or whoever, practice makes perfect. practice. Mm-hmm. But in reality, like, nobody's ever going to get that to that perfect stage mm-hmm. until we cross our finish line and we're in heaven with, with God. And so I think that's huge when we're sitting here talking about practice makes us perfected, mm-hmm. but not perfect. Perfected. That is such a beautiful word, isn't it? Perfected. Yeah. And what does that mean? You know, because one, one of the questions that has been the most helpful to me in the moments when I want to give up, when I feel like I hate the way my body looks and that it's getting worse by the day, what mm-hmm. am I going to do about it? It's this idea that everything we're experiencing in our physical bodies, Scripture tells us, is not meaningless. It's not but it is temporary. Mm-hmm. And temporary, I can do. 
And temporary is something that I can have the strength to make that decision to do the next right thing because scripture says that this day is coming. And that's the whole idea when Paul's talking about a perfected body. The day is coming when things that have been sown in corruption will be raised in incorruption. He says, Mm -hmm. behold, I tell you a mystery. Mm -hmm. We shall not all sleep. And he's talking about the sleep of death. He said, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, because the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised. Mm. That's perfected. That's That's power. (laughs) power. That's hope. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done or what has been done to you or how you feel about your physical body currently. The day is coming when all of that, all the things about us that make us who we are. And incidentally, I think it's amazing that... God created us with the physical bodies that we have on purpose. Yeah. Do you believe that's true? Yeah. yeah. We have the metabolisms we have on purpose. Mm. We have the shape that we have on purpose. And when that day comes, when that trumpet sounds and mortality is raised in immortality, we shall be changed, but we shall not be what we have right now isn't going to be discarded and thrown away and we're going to be remade into something that's completely alien and foreign. No, that part of us is going to be made new Mm -hmm. that part of us that makes us us is still there and that's beautiful yeah that's that eternal perspective that's that thing that that allows us to say to look in the mirror in the morning and say oh well Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh well i shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye what's uh, what i'm experiencing right now it's not meaningless it's not meaningless the decisions we make the things we do they echo in eternity. They really do. But they're temporary. Yeah. And we can get through temporary. Mm-hmm. I know I can. I can put on that pair of pants and, you know, loosen the belt and whatnot. <laughs> Lay on the bed. <laughs> temporarily. Yeah. I can do it. I can do it. And so can you. Because Jesus Christ didn't come so that we could just be good people mm-hmm. and live better lives. He came so we could be alive because mm-hmm. we that's were good. dead and now we're alive. Mm-hmm. And that's life. Being free from diet culture is life. Mm-hmm. It's life. It's freedom. Yes. That's what I feel like when, when you were just speaking. Like that's that's true feeling freedom from all of those things that hold you hold you bind, bonded together. It's those chains breaking off. It's... Is that true freedom from all of that and being able to feel it, being able to release it, and mm-hmm. being able to live the way that we were meant to live mm-hmm. versus living the way that we think that we're supposed to with not having what we need to kind of go by to live, you know, like that freedom, knowing that freedom is found when, when he rose again, you know. Um, and also, it had to happen. A lot, I've I thought that too is like some of these things that happen to us or even within our bodies or we feel like that it had to happen to get us to a place to where we did surrender and Mm -hmm. we did allow those chains to break and and we did move forward and feel that freedom because if not then maybe it would not have ever happened you know Mm -hmm. yep it's sown in death it's Mm -hmm. raised in life yeah that's the whole idea of perfected and so when you believe that that's true you believe that day is coming Mm -hmm then every decision that you make in regards to how you feel about your physical body or your physical circumstances or this life that we see with our eyes, every decision is made in anticipation of the day when, you know, 
darkness is rolled back yeah. and Jesus Christ, you know, comes to this earth and everything is made new. Every decision we make about what we're doing right now reflects the belief that we believe that day is coming mm, right. and that, that day is is going to change everything and that that day is real, right? Mm -hmm. It's real. It's not just a someday, it's a now. Yeah. It's a now because I can say I have cellulite, I'm putting on a bathing suit and I'm going swimming with my kids today. Yeah. Today, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what I have. Sure, maybe I could look better. Mm -hmm. I'm using my little quote fingers. (laughs) (laughs) I could look better, but what does that have to do with being free? Nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing. And none of that's going to matter when we get to heaven anyway. Nope. So all that we work so hard to try to adjust our bodies here mm-hmm. is meaningless when we get to heaven. Yeah. I would almost challenge our listeners, too, to think about, like, are we living in the right now, in the freedom that we have been given by our Savior from His resurrection? Like, mm-hmm. are we living in that? Are we living in that right now? Or are we living in our right now? Mm, that's good, I feel like that's something that we could all almost kind of look at every day. Like, what are we living in? Are we living in that right now? What li- right now are we living in? So, yeah, I'm going to reevaluate good. every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ask myself the questions that you ask in your book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sales plug. <laughs> so, it has been an honor to be able to speak to you, to be able to just dig into your heart and to what you believe in and the truth that you see because it's it's always I think a beautiful thing to get other perspectives Mm -hmm. and just to be able to feed off of each other as Christ followers Mm -hmm. and to grow I feel like that's how we grow too and and that vulnerability that you were saying Mm -hmm. so thank you for this yes we are very grateful that you were here with us tonight (laughs) I mean this has Uh been an awesome experience and being Uh able to read about you and then get to know you as well and yeah I know by everyone listening they're going to feel the same way like they'll probably feel like they know you but have never even met you before (laughs) (laughs) thank you for sharing your heart because so many people do struggle with things like this and Mm -hmm. like I said it may not be an eating disorder but they're struggling with something and everything you've written in this book and everything you've shared will definitely be a piece of advice that can help them yeah that they can apply to their everyday life Yeah, and I just, I'll leave it with this. It doesn't matter if you're sitting there listening to this and you feel like you've, you know, you've failed a thousand times before. Mm. All that matters is that you get up and try again. Yeah. Do Do you want to be made well? It's that question that, you know... And there's no such thing as you need to be sick enough to get help. Mm-hmm. We're all in this together. Yeah. We're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more of us that speak out about these things that nobody talks about, the yeah. more we take the power back right. from shame. Mm-hmm. That's good. That is good. Well, thank you. We're oh, gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna end this on um, that note. So don't allow anything to have authority over you. Yes. And failure does not mean failure. It doesn't mean that you have failed. But pick yourself up and try again. Yep. We'll mm-hmm. see y'all next week. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>